Welcome to Ubu Dub, which is a bit of a, a podcast that we're putting out there because we don't know when the next one will come because we're going out live with the new album. And uh, we've been lucky to get the first piece submitted by an Ubu fan. Uh, Timothy Richards has done us a, a bit that we're going to play at the end about the geography of Perubu. And I'm joined here with Mr. David Thomas. Hello. <laughs> So we go out uh, in London, it's Sunday today, we're going out there on Friday, and then we've got Dublin, Belgium, Rotterdam, just go to the calendar if you need any more details. But it's pretty exciting uh, for me. How is it for you, David? It's another day at the, at the, the factory. I, I'm afraid that people always want me to be excited about going out and doing shows. I'm afraid that I don't get excited. The only time I enjoy a show is when I'm laying in my bed at 3 o'clock in the morning afterwards and I, I can think back on a successful evening. If I can't think back on a successful evening, then I just try not to think or think... Oh, well, you know, into every life a little rain must fall. It's going to be um, interesting because a lot of people will have heard the Montreux CD where the material was sent out live at the end of last year. How's this uh, album launch and the gigs that follow going to be any different to that? Well, I don't know how different it's going to be. I hope it's no more different than a lot of little errors cleaned up. It's, you know, when you go out to see My Fair Lady on Broadway, you want to hear all the songs. Um, I, I, the show is a bit more unified at the moment. It's, um, I've been working on the introductions to the songs, tying them in a little bit better than uh, I was able to do at Montreux. And then we, we have, you have prepared videos for every one of the songs. There is a bit of a question. Where the videos have been compiled for simultaneous broadcasts with the performance of the songs live. Um, we not sure that we've been able to work out all the technical aspects of that, so I, I can't promise it, but we're going to give it our best shot. Well, we've promised the full 3D experience. We've got the live show. Um, we've got the book out as well, Buzz, which we've just had to have reprinted for the, for the third time. That's selling really well. I've, uh, you've added an extra page, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, you understand well because you're the one who added it. I don't know what kind of game you want to, what kind of game you want to play here. Um, yeah. I, again, it's just tying, it's just tying a little loose end together. It's nothing major. Um, well, I'm very excited about that because I've designed a T-shirt to go with the book, and we've got some new T-shirts coming. But one of the best things about going live is that we get to see 
old and new faces. And Johnny, Johnny Dromet is coming to the London show. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Well, London is becoming sort of an old home week in a lot of ways because people fly in from America and from Europe and from all over the place uh, to London to see the show. And, you know, it's becoming like a hometown show, which, of course, is unfortunate because our hometown shows were always fraught with nerves and, and uh, angst. But I think we're going to avoid that. Um, we should play some music. If people haven't heard the Montrose CD, we need to let them know what kind of thing they're going to be expecting. I suppose if I ask you to choose one track from the Montrose CD, you're going to say you can't. I can't. <laughs> so I shall try. I shall choose the world as we know it. This is a song called "The World" and what we can know of it.
So you mentioned the videos, and I've been giving this a lot of thought because you just are so into sound and understanding sound and how it works and all that jazz. And I'm I'm purely a, a visual person. I need visuals, whether they're just made up in my head or in videos, to totally understand the music. And it's given me a totally different understanding of of your tracks. Are visuals important to you at all? No. Afraid not, but um, you know, I'm I'm well acquainted with the films that I need to be acquainted with, and people know from decades of my work that I I refer to films and visual elements all the time. But that's because sound is purer in your head than it is in reality. I don't. No, I, it's all, I appreciate what you've done. You've done a marvelous job on, on, uh, on compiling videos which are, do not force the listener into a particular frame of, into a particular point of view. So that to me is, is, is the admirable part of visuals. In other words, stay out of my way, honey. A lot of the visuals are taken from a road trip that we took from Cleveland to Texas. Um, I don't know whether it was two or three years ago now. But that was sort of my first beginning to understand the road trip scenario. And we drove through a town that was pretty much completely boarded up. You know, there was Kathy's Bar, which um, was all boarded up, and, and all the houses were boarded up, the local petrol station, the local store. Is that your ghost town? No, a ghost town is a town inhabited by ghosts. It's not, it's not uh, a town where nobody lives in my lexiconography. Uh, but yeah, the road is a novel. I, it's, it's a peculiarly, peculiarly American vision of what a novel is. Uh, you, you, you see stories as you pass them by. And because of the nature of speed and space and time, these stories are supercharged. One of the things that was interesting making the Fortunate Son video was the, the Waffle House video, was that those waitresses in the Waffle House are just so friendly. I mean, obviously, you don't get to hear the conversation. She just asks them if they're having a nice day, and they say, well, it's okay, and she goes into a long spiel about life and being okay, and if that's what we get. That's the nature of these diners as well. Um, and you're waffling about Waffle House. Yes, um, don't take the microphone away from me. Uh, yes, it's, uh, the Waffle House is, 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 uh, is my favorite place to go. It, I mean, I do like, I do like uh, what's the name of the place I go to? Uh, Oh, Cracker Barrel. I like Cracker Barrel, but but Waffle House is is a little slice of humanity, and and uh, the whole ethos of Waffle House that they never close and that they're there to serve everybody um, is 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 really very affecting, very compelling. 
Another thing that was big on my memory of the road trip were gas stations, and there was one gas station in particular where there was a tiny little shack on the exit route which said, uh, Amy's love, come see Amy, with a big pink heart. <laughs> yeah, are you sure it wasn't another kind of shop? I think it was exactly that kind of shop. Yeah, well, no, I mean, one of my favorite places is a, was, a, was a gas stop between Columbus and Cincinnati where there was a fish shack in a little white trailer beside the, the gas station and the, the two ladies in there would be up all night serving you fish sandwiches on soft white bread and the, the gas station stocked a, a wide variety of off-brand sodas, you know, like Fizzy Pop, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, literally with names like that. Um, and uh, th that was always a highlight of my, you know, when you go down to Cincinnati, it's a long way down there on a, about the most boring road in America, which is I-71. But, um, yeah, I don't know if they're still there. Fish. 
Skid Row on Sea is my personal favorite video because it is purely graffiti from one lady's restroom in Texas. And it kind of sums up the, the purity that comes from a drunken evening out where strangers do talk to each other, whether it's leaving their mark on a bathroom wall or whatever. You ever left your mark on a bathroom wall, David? No. I'd also like to point out that Perubu rejects the political sentiments, sentiments expressed on this bathroom stall. It's simply a matter of reporting it. Um, but yeah, I no, I don't, I don't, you know, no member of Perubu has ever left graffiti on a dressing room wall. I think that's a pretty bold statement. Well, if if they had, they would have. They're they're they're. Their residency of Perubu would have been very short-lived if I found out about it. Whoops. Uh, let's play Skid Row on C.
So we're going to finish this podcast with a piece from Timothy Richards, um, who has been around as long as I've been around, I think, and um, has really gone into the whole psyche of Perubu and its geography. Um, you have a lot of respect for fans who, who think a little bit deeper than that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I have to say that I've, I've been, I've been starting to get personally dismayed by the fact that I was reaching the end of my career, as it were, and still nobody seemed to have gotten hold of what we have been doing for the last 40 years. That was one of the impetuses behind the book, um, to try to, again, I mean, look, if you, if you see in 1975 a band from Cleveland, Ohio, um, inaugurate itself with a, a song, Heart of Darkness, which is a combination of, of Philip Marlowe, I mean, Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe set in a, in, a, in a primordial landscape devised by Joseph Conrad, a writer who f f for his entire career wrote only in a foreign language, and it's figureheaded by a by the king, a monstrous king of nowhere, uh, devised by the founder, the French founder of absurd absurdist theater. You would think that somebody would sort of start to put the pieces together that maybe there was some sort of agenda behind this band that extended beyond becoming a pop success but sadly not <laughs> so um yes we appreciate when people look into what we've been doing like it's something that's serious and like it's something that's worth looking into the perubu story is a story told not in words but in hieroglyphs in the sensory sensual gestalt of voice and sound. A story encoded into the band's music, at once hidden and present, revealed and concealed. Perubu don't promote chaos, they preserve it. Chaos is just another word for the human experience, and of course, the human experience has to take place somewhere. So we come to the significance of geography within the Perubu story. I believe there is a key to this in one of my favourite Thomas lines in the song On the Surface from the album Dub Housing. The line is, it was a day like a beach. I admired this both for its economy and for the sublime sensory confusion of its images, where the shape of the day itself takes on the geographical aspect of a beach. It's here that Thomas finds himself lost. He sings as the inhabitant of this day which is like a beach. Lost and in love, I heard sand in the surf. Leaving aside this extremely fine bit of alliteration, we note the sensory confusion of the song's narrator, which is experienced by him as a revelation of the day's fundamental significance. Although he is not upon a real beach, the strength of the metaphor is such that its effects seem to superimpose themselves upon his reality, so he can almost hear the surf on the sand. It's this confusion of the real and imaginary which is literalised in the physical dimensions of the song as experienced by the listener in real time. The left-to-right progression of the song through time both determines the boundaries and portrays the vistas of the song's landscape. Notice that the way the song translates time into space is reflected in the lyrics translation of day 
time into beach, space. This translation of time into space is made possible by the nature of music recording, which allows for a particular moment of space-time creation to be captured and endlessly replayed. The song is a reoccurring enactment of the moment experienced by its protagonist when reality is interrupted by metaphor, when the beach, which is the character's love life, is more real than the day in which he finds himself. 